This morning we start moving into the different topics that we're going to be exploring in the book of Proverbs. And today we are looking at the wisdom of friendship as revealed through the book of Proverbs. Multiple different scriptures that we are going to be looking at this morning. So I will read to you the medley of scripture passages. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And Jesus speaking, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know his master's doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word this morning. Heavenly Father, send your spirit that while you might see a portrait of a life that has been renewed in you, that we would see more clearly also Jesus Christ, our friend for sinners. Lord, bless this time together, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Friendship, a topic that many of us when you heard this topic, probably thought, okay, I'm going to sit back in my chair a little bit, is that it takes a wise person to be interested in friendship. Indeed, you know, friendship is really not necessary. It's not necessary for most of life. Biologically, you don't need a friend to live. Financially, you don't need a friend to have healthy finances. In your career, you don't really need a friend to advance forward. And in the busyness of our life with all that we have going on, it is so easy for a friendship to become moved to the bottom of our list. But you may be able to live life without a friend, but you will not become a wise person. You will not be the person that God made you to be without friends. And Proverbs is very concerned about who our friends are, the friends that we have, the type of person that they are, and also not only who our friends are, but also the type of person, the type of friend that we are to them. Begin to take a look a little bit at just the selection of friends that Proverbs identifies. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harms. Your friends matter. 
Your friendships shape the person that you are and the person that you will be. And so this morning, we're going to examine four characteristics of friendship laid out here in Proverbs. Four characteristics of a friend. Not an acquaintance, not a companion, not a co-worker, but of a friend. And the gospel creates these very rare people who are friends. First characteristic that we see in Proverbs The nature of a friend is a friend's constancy. Proverbs makes clear that there are many fair-weathered friends, friends who come and go, friends who are opportunists, friends who seek their advantage in a relationship with us. But a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We begin with a contrast here between a man of many companions and a friend who is closer than a brother. For most people, indeed for most of us, indeed even for most of our relationships, is that we are in relationship with people who are useful to us. And many of those people we call friends. They are useful to us. They are useful for fun. They are useful sometimes to make us a better person. Sometimes they are useful for career advancement. Sometimes they are useful so that we have nice neighbors and live in nice, in nice neighborhoods and are, have a mutually beneficial relationship. And so for all of us, we make relationships and we can cultivate companions who are useful to us. This tendency, and indeed a temptation in this regard, is heightened all the more if you are a person who lives a transient lifestyle or you are in a career that forces you to move regularly. Because what happens with that is that as you move, you move to a new place, you need to get in, you need to get connected, you're not going to be there very long, and so you form relationships with those who are most useful, those who will be most mutually beneficial, that you can help each other both get where you are going. But... When that person is no longer useful, when there is a conflict, when somebody says something that they don't like or there is just the tension of a relationship, you move on. Sometimes you do that intentionally because your job moves you on and you don't have to deal with the issues of a longevity of a friendship. Other times you just move on mentally and say, you know what, I'm going to be out of here. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my stress. And you miss the opportunity of the longevity of the relationship. But it says here, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who is closer than a brother. Proverbs 17, 17 picks up on this contrast between a friend and a brother as well. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now we need to remember that these statements were made in a time, in a day and age, when family was everything. Family was your life. Family was your education. Family was your social network. Family was your inheritance. Family was your retirement plan. Family was your safety net. Family was everything. And indeed, that's some of the role of a family. Is that a family, you know, the people say you don't get to pick your family. That a family provides some kind of safety net. Then it says a brother is born for adversity. What's, what the proverb is saying there is saying, you know, that a brother, you know, when things get tough, your brother has to be there. That's what family is for. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, the difference between these relationships is that a brother, 
may not like you, but has to be there for you. But a friend likes you and doesn't have to be there. So if there is a person in your life, if there is someone who loves at all times, who loves you in both the good and the bad, who loves you when they don't have to love you, that person is a friend. We see the constancy of their love and the constancy of their relationship. Second characteristic is candor. Blunt, loving honesty. Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The kisses of an enemy are designed to appease, to, to hide the hurt that has come or is about to come. Judas being the, 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 uh, the, the key example of this, where he betrayed Jesus with a kiss, that his kiss was devised to hide betrayal. Now, of course, we would see a proverb like this and say, yes, profuses are the kisses of the enemy. Not a problem for me. I want good friends. But the temptation that this verse warns us against is that every one of us is we like friends who like us, right? We like people who like us. We like people who affirm us. We like people who praise us. We like people, using the words here, who kiss us. People who would flatter us, who affirm us. And yes, a friend is there to affirm us and to encourage us, but also needs to provide the blunt and loving honesty. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That the wounds from a friend are meant to cut to the heart for the good of the person. And let's state the obvious. Wounds hurt. But if a friend wounds someone and that person is a fool, what the fool says is, I can't believe you. How could you say that? I can't believe that you would hurt me. You need to apologize for hurting me. You see, there is a big difference between hurting someone and harming someone. A big difference between loving somebody, a difference between being loved and feeling loved. And if you don't understand the distinction between hurting somebody and harming someone, what will happen is that if you have a friend who is loving you, and who hurts you when they love you, if you don't understand this distinction, whenever you get hurt, you will look for someone to blame. You will look for someone to punish. You will look for someone to say, it's not my fault. And most often, the person that you will go after is the person who hurt you, but who was trying to help you. To put this more specifically, a friend, as described in Proverbs, a friend will lovingly and intentionally hurt you. A friend will lovingly and intentionally hurt you. Will bring candor with words that are loving and honest and blunt and true. Now, of course, you won't agree with everything that they would say, but you should listen to them. And this idea of being wounded by a friend, of being hurt by a friend, this is not about mouthing off. This is not about tearing a person down. This is not about riding a self-righteous hobby horse of some issue that you've got that you feel it's your job to correct the world on. That's not what's being described here. It's a friend who wants you to be a better man and a better woman of God. A friend who wants you to grow in wisdom and who is willing to love you and to love you in a way that hurts. And if you have this kind of friend in your life, and you have reacted wrongly to that, if you have this kind of friend, thank them. Because it is so rare. And those who are wise will inquire further 
if they are hurt by a friend. You see, each one of us needs other people in our life to speak into our life. Each one of us needs us to need somebody to help us see through our own self-deceived little bubble that we make up about ourselves. Each one of us needs someone else to help us grow wise. And so if you look at your life, and you look at, and you don't have someone like that in your life, and maybe you, you come to church and you see and you look around and you say, you know what, there's no one who could be that type of person for me. Should you look at the people in this church? And you say, you know, there's, there's no one here who could be that, who is good enough, who could be that type of friend for me. If that's your attitude, the problem is not with them. The problem is with you. The problem is with you. And the question then becomes that if you have, if you don't have this type of relationship in your life, where someone is constant and where there is a candor in your relationship, seek them out. Pursue those relationships. Invest in them. Very practically, in two weekends, go to the men's retreat if you are a man. Go and begin to get connected in relationship. Begin to find other people who are pursuing with you. Go to the men's retreat. Rich Buckingham is organizing that. He was going to lop my head off for not putting it in the announcements. And so that's an extra plug. So go to the men's retreat. But so too, there are other things. There's a women's retreat in the springtime. Um, There is a, a women's tea coming up this Friday. We have our community groups, which are focused on getting people connected in Christ centered relationships is that use these things to be connected in relationships so that you can have people who are constant and who are also bringing candor into your life. Third characteristic here in Proverbs that we'll focus on is counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Counsel, that is, guiding you in wisdom, helping you walk the life and live, live out the skill and the art of godly living. And it says that counsel, this exchange, this wrestling of ideas, is what brings about the sweetness of a friend. It's about the sweetness of a friendship. Someone who knows you and who loves you and who will hear you, but also someone who will wrestle with you. And it's through that wrestling, through that counsel, that the sweetness of a friendship develops. Same idea further, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. By ourselves, we become dull, blunted. We lose our edge. And we need a friend who will refine us and not flatter us. That we need a friend and have friendships where there is a healthy clash of personalities and a healthy clash of views and a relationship where that conflict, where that working out of counsel does not diminish the relationship but instead enhances it. So true, true friends provide counsel. That is, they provide wise counsel and godly wisdom. But here is the challenge, is that most people, indeed most Christians, don't want wise counsel. Most don't want that. What most people want when they, get, when they seek advice, what most people want is they want to make their sin work. 
I want you to help me figure out how to make my sin work so that I don't have to deal with the consequences of my life and the consequences of my decisions. I think this is one of the things that is personally one of the saddest things that I, that I see. I was talking with a, a close friend who is a professional counselor, and I've had this conversation. People have related to me in several different contexts. And I was a close friend who was a professional counselor, and he was a Christian counselor, and he went into counseling because he loved the Word of God, and he saw the way that God's Word and His grace changed his own life. And he wanted to bring the healing and the power of Jesus to other people who were in difficult circumstances and difficult situations. And that's why he went into professional counseling, became a professional Christian counselor. But he said to me one time, we were discussing, he said, he said I never imagined that when I went into counseling, of the tension that I would, deal, that I would live with daily between making a living and helping people, between running a business and giving people the wisdom that they need. He said, as a professional counselor, as a Christian counselor, dealing with Christians who are referred to me by pastors of churches, he said, as a Christian counselor, he said, I have people who come to me who spend lots of money, and they will spend lots of money for months, if not years. And he said, in some of the situations that I deal with, he said, I can, I can get together with them and I can engage in a, in a therapeutic model of counseling and we can identify their problem and we can explore all the causes that contributed to the problem and all the ways that it's affecting their life. We can do that, he said, and I can have somebody, I can have a client continue for months, if not for several years, and they will love everything that I do with them. He said, but if that same client, he said, if I give somebody and it would develop a relationship, and I tell somebody the truth that will actually change their situation, he said, they don't come back. He said, they do not come back. And he said, I have, he said, I have an entire clientele who are paying big bucks, big bucks for my advice, but what they don't want is they don't want wise counsel. They want me to make their sin work, and it really, and it fundamentally doesn't. And I have had that same conversation in different forms with Christian counselors, with pastors across the country of people who aren't seeking counsel but are seeking ways to avoid the consequences of their actions and ways to make their sin work. But a true friend brings wise counsel. And a friend, is, excuse me, there is a relationship that is, brings both the cheer and the sweetness of fellowship and also the clash that occurs through the sharpening of relationships. Constancy, candor, counsel, and thirdly, third characteristic is cover. A friend provides cover. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Similar idea, a dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close friends. There are two things in view in these verses. One is when a friend has committed an offense, maybe against you, maybe against somebody else. That's one situation. The other situation that's in view is when a friend shares something that you alone know. That you have some secret information. And in both of those situations, when you have knowledge of an offense or you have knowledge of the secret information, the question becomes, what do you do with that information? Because if you repeat it, what Proverbs says is, you will destroy the relationship. Is that you have become a friend who is untrustworthy. 
You are a friend who does not provide cover, but one who is providing exposure. One who is providing embarrassment. That is, someone has entrusted something personal to you, and you are embarrassing them with the information that they have given to you. And it says here that the whisperer, the gossip, divides a relationship, and it will divide a relationship that might have taken years to build, possibly through very hard times. But the gossip, the whisperer, oh, do you know what happened? What's, what's wrong with this person? I know they're a good friend of you. Oh, let me tell you. Let me, here's what's going on with them. Let, let me tell you what's going on. The whisperer, the repeater, separates close friends. And in verse 17, chapter 17, 9, the word there for repeat, the breakdown of it means to state a second time. Just one more time. To just repeat what you heard one more time to another person. Just one repeat is gossip. Well, I was just being honest with how my day was. I was just trying to get counsel as to how to best deal with this situation. But you need to understand, you cannot be a godly person and a gossip. You cannot be a godly person and a gossip. What Proverbs is exhorting is to neither be a gossip nor listen to one. If there is a person who is, there is an offense, have they admitted that offense? Have they asked for forgiveness? If they haven't, and it's something you can't overlook, talk to them. If that person has admitted that offense and they've asked for forgiveness, drop it. Don't even mention it one more time. Why? Because whoever covers an offense seeks love. In our relationships, inevitably, we will offend a friend and we will offend a close friend. Inevitably, we will do so intentionally. And this isn't the hurt. This is an offense. This is a wrong that has been done. Inevitably, that will happen. Inevitably, we will, devo- we will disappoint people. But it says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. And to be clear, this is not to cover up an offense, to sweep it under the rug. It is to cover over. It's like this. If there was, a, if there was damage in a wall in your house, to cover up the damage would be to put a picture over the hole in the wall. But to cover over an offense is to repair it and to repaint the wall and to cover over it as if that offense had never occurred. And indeed, the spot where the offense was is probably stronger than it was beforehand. Proverbs highlights, emphasizes this idea in our fighter verses for this week. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, between friends, the goal is not winning the argument But the goal is preserving the friendship. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That a person, a friend, grows in honor. A friend grows in esteem to overlook an offense against them, to say, you know what, I'm I'm just going to forgive them. I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm going to overlook that offense. And Proverbs says that it it is his glory to do so. Not to sweep it under the rug, but to repair it and to cover it over. Friends provide cover, not covering up. A friend loves beyond our failures. A friend loves beyond our foibles. A friend provides cover. So you take these four characteristics. Friends 
A friend is, is, has constancy, candor, counsel, and cover. If these are the characteristics of a friend, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that we need to cultivate these friendships, that they don't just happen. That if you have a friend like this, cultivate it. Nurture that relationship. Invest in it. Don't rush to someone that is more useful in that particular season. But God has given you this person that you would grow wise. But the urging of Proverbs is also not only that you would seek out, identify, and preserve a friendship, but that you would be this kind of friend. That you would be this kind of person, that these characteristics would be manifested in your life. And truthfully, most people do not have a friend. Most people do not have a friend. For some, that's due to ignorance. They don't actually believe or know that this type of friend actually exists. Others of you don't have a friend because you become jaded. You've lived in a cutthroat environment. You've had friends stab you in the back who've tried to get ahead, either get ahead in some success or get ahead by looking better than you. But the gospel creates these rare people. The gospel creates friends. Another challenge to why many do not have friends, as I mentioned earlier, is the transience and mobility is that there isn't a longevity that's enough struggle to get connected in a place and just survive, let alone investing in another, in another series of relationships. But a bigger concern is this, is that for most people, if you don't have the friend that has been described here, it's because you're not that type of friend. It's not because they're not out there. It's because you're not that, not that type of friend. And what Proverbs urges us here is not only to seek this friend, but to be this friend. And we need to be abundantly clear on this, is why would we do this? Why would we, why would we strive to be this friend? And moreover, how would we do this? And the reason why we do this is because this is the friend who Jesus is to you. Look at Jesus in light of these same characteristics. Look at his constancy. John 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For the, all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Notice the counsel. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Notice the constancy and appointed you. You see, Jesus changed the relational dynamic. He changed the relational dynamic between God and man from relationship of a servant and a master to a relationship of friends. And this idea that God is our friend is unique to Christianity. You see, in Hinduism, a God's not your friend. A God's someone that needs to be appeased. In Buddhism, in Eastern thought and philosophy, a God and the divine and the, 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 the cosmic, the cosmic um, being and the cosmic consciousness, that's not a person, that's impersonal. And the goal for you as a person is to become impersonal, that you would find yourself in the midst of the impersonal global consciousness, that your relationship would be impersonal. If you are from Islamic background, this idea that God is your friend would be utter blasphemy. I mean, who do you think God is that he would be friends with someone like you? What type of person do you think you are? And what type of God would be a God that would be friends with someone like you? That's utter blasphemy. But it's an idea that's unique to Christianity. 
And we see that Jesus not only makes us friends, but he is the fr- a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he is a friend who loves at all times, and though we deny him, though we hurt him, though we are faithless to him, though we turn away, he continues to love us. And he loves you, not because you are useful, but because he chose you. See, the constancy of Jesus' love for you, so too is candor. In his candor, he tells us what we do not want to hear. He tells us the truth about ourselves, that, that we're sinners, that we've done things and said things and thought things that we ought not to have done or said. And most people who are not Christians that I talk to will acknowledge that point. But what they don't acknowledge is the further truth that Jesus tells us is not only that you're sinners, but you're not good people. That we're not good people, that you don't have a good heart. But he tells us the hope that through Jesus Christ, he will make you new and he will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and he will make you his friends. There's a song that's really pop, been popular on Christian, in Christian music. And one of the lines of the song that says, Jesus, help me believe that I'm someone worth dying for. But Jesus says, I didn't die for you because you were worth it. I died for you because I love you. I died for you because you are my friend and I have made you my friend. You see, his constancy and his candor. How about his counsel? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the wisdom of God. John 1, 1, he was the word, the divine knowledge, the divine wisdom who became flesh. And Jesus says to us, to his disciples when he leaves, that when he leaves, that he will send the helper, that he will send the counselor, to guide us in all truth, the counselor to give us counsel, that Jesus knows us and loves us and hears us and, yes, will wrestle with us, that he counsels us with his word and he counsels us with his indwelling spirit for godly living and by his indwelling spirit gives us the power to live that way. Finally, his cover. Why doesn't God... Keep on embarrassing us with our failures. Why doesn't he keep on exposing us and embarrassing us with our foibles and with the mistakes and the dumb things that we've made and the selfish things that he does? Why doesn't he do that? He'd be fully right to do so. But he doesn't do it because he wants our friendship. Because all of our mistakes and our sin have been covered by the blood of his son Jesus and his death on the cross, that he covers my wrong. He doesn't cover them up, but he covers over them. So that all of the wrongs in my life, Jesus covers over so that I am seen as beautiful as Jesus Christ is. That when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my failures, but he sees the covering of Jesus. How blessed I am to be covered by Jesus. How blessed I am to have Jesus as my friend. You see, it is through these things, it is through the friendship and the love of Jesus, may we not only have a friend, but being empowered by his Spirit, may we be that friend as well. Let's pray together. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, you are the one who has shattered the perspective of who God is and who we are. 
and that you are a loving and gracious God and you didn't look at us. You know everything about us. You know all the things that we don't want anyone else to know and you know us and you didn't look at us and say, ooh, yuck, not that one. But you said, I choose you and I love you and I have made you my friends. Lord, thank you that you loved us. Thank you that you not only created us, sustain us, but that you love us and that you have made us your friend. Lord, may your spirit empower us to show and to be that the friend that you are to us, to others in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.